Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 65, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. Santos. My brother. My How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to be back in the saddle here. Been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll have to apologize to our viewers. We actually recorded um, an episode, what should have been uh, the first time around, episode 65, and uh, we had some technical difficulties on my end where basically my half of the conversation didn't record. So Mine was fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we thought for a hot second about just posting Santos's one-sided conversation, but we felt like maybe that would be missing something. I, I don't know about I, we. I don't I know like about we. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyways, here we are, episode 65. Sorry it's been so long. Um, Santos, what's going on in L.A.? What's, what's the situation with the fires out there, my man? Oh, they're trying to burn. Uh, they're trying to burn a brother out of this fucking piece. I am... It was the first, um, so let's see, today is what, Thursday, so it's been a week now, and um, and when it first went down, it was gnarly. Um, we had, you know, I, I was ready for action, as I always am, but particularly this time, because um, it just the Santa Ana's are blowing. So it got, it got nasty, but it burned Malibu. Um, and burned like bell Canyon and it's not great. You know, we had bad air down here. So I'm in, um, I'm basically Venice beach. So it's about 12, 15 miles away from me. Um, so honestly last year was closer, but you know, I, I mean, here's the deal. Like it's fucking terrible. It's awful. Um, but you feel bad for up north. It's way worse up in Chico. Right. You know, the campfire is terrible. Um, those are the people you feel for down here. I mean, how much, how bad are we feeling for Malibu? You know, I mean, the, the people that you feel bad for are, um, the, you know, the real people that are in Malibu because there are real people there, you know, it's not all just Martin Sheen and, and um, Rain Wilson, you know. And Miley, Miley Cyrus and... <laughs> yeah, and, and... Hemsworth. Or, yeah. or the fucking Kardashians, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's, there are real people. I mean, one of the worst things hit was a, was a, a mobile home park, you know. Um, of course, because God just finds the fucking poorest people and burns them, so... Um, but, you know, thankfully, I mean, shit's come to an end to an extent. I mean, they've got the Woolsey fire down here, about 40% contained. And up north, they got it under control. But, I mean, this is – that one up there is the worst ever. Really? Worst ever, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, and that's so, counting like 1906, uh, you know, wow. after that's the earthquake. That's crazy. Yeah, I was actually in Napa at a food innovation conference when that one started. Um, oh, that's right. You so, were out here. Yeah. 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 So I was, did, uh, flew into San Francisco, drove up to Napa, came back down and flew out of San Francisco again, stayed right next to Japantown, had a good time there, got some good ramen. And well, let's talk about yeah, that. So. Let's talk about that. I want to hear about that. But, but, you know, real quick, just to anybody that's um, hurting through this, um, you know, fucking bummer, hang in there. There's, they're like dealing with, tent cities that, you know, people that have had to Chico, the, the, the occupancy in Chico is at, or the flip side of it, whatever it is like, you know, there's 2% occupancy rate in, 
in Chico. It's not occupancy rate, but the flip side of it, whatever. You know, it's it, already homeless is vacancy. Oh, vacancy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So homelessness is an, already an issue up there, and now these poor bitches are up in a fucking Walmart parking lot. You know, yeah, in tents trying to live off of bananas, and it's a you know, and they're gonna get. It's about to rain up there, and it's gonna be a fuck show. Right. But what are you gonna do? I mean, you fucking you you heat up fucking Mother Earth till it's a tinder box. The shit's gonna burn, right? Yeah. No kidding. So tell me about uh, Japantown. Uh, Japantown was good. So I ended up, <laughs> it was uh, both the girls' birthdays. So I did a bunch of shopping. I got them um, my neighbor Totoro graphic novels um, in English, but they read the you know the Japanese style. So oh, what we would consider the back to the front. You know, but what they consider how you actually normally just read a book. Um, so I got them. Yeah, awesome. Like. There's like a Miyazaki series of toys and graphic novels and books that they have at um, that bookstore that you recommended. The on the Kino Kinokuniya. Yeah, Kinokuniya. That's the, yeah, that's that, the best one. That place one. is awesome. Yeah. It's a chain. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. Like, I, I'll be honest. Like Barnes I had, & Noble in Japan? I, I, I don't know. I, I never knew it was a chain until um, I live off of Sentinella. So in Mar Vista, there's, there's a Mitsuwa um kind of mini mall and it has uh one of the best ramen places in los angeles is in there and huh. um and there's a kino Kania in there and it wasn't until i saw it that i put it together and then looked it up and there's um you know there's obviously one in seattle there's three or four of them um hmm. in in the u.s but that one in J- in japantown in san francisco is that's two floors i think um, is it? I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, it's massive. It's uh, fucking massive. Yeah, so many toys, like little Japanese blind box they toys got, that uh, that you'll never see outside of Japan, and DVDs the, that you'll never see outside of Japan. And oh yeah, and half of the. I mean, there must be fucked. I mean, you tell me, but I, if I had to guess for magazine facings titles, there have. There, there has to be 1,500 titles of magazines in that fucking store. Yeah, at least. Especially if you count all the graphic novels and stuff as well. It's crazy how much stuff there is. It's and, I mean, a lot of it's like Japanese language stuff. It's so in Japanese. All, yeah. So a lot of that stuff is immediately written off for me, but, you know. But th- there's also, like, just killer, um, you know, um, periodicals in English that are – Japanophile stuff and um, <clears throat> I, that, the, I lived with a Japanophile for for many years in San Francisco, so we were up there all the time. And um, and that place, you, you can it's really expensive, as you would imagine, as is the one here. Um, so I've spent a small fortune in Kinokuniya. They they have that ability to make numbers not real. Yeah, well, I sp- yeah, I ended up spending a couple hundred bucks on like different books and origami kits and different little like blind box toys for yeah, the girls. That's- but I got like they had these amazing like how to draw manga character books that I got for the girls. I actually stored those away for Christmas, but um, nice. yeah, I'm amazing stuff like stuff that you'll just never see unless you have one of those stores in your city, like which we don't obviously in Minneapolis, like you're never going to see that stuff around here. So it's, I thought it's it was cool killer. to 
get them that kind of unique stuff while you could get it. So did you go to the um, did you go to the uh, I forget Soco Soco Hardware Store? No, I didn't, but I did see the Hostess Bar that you were talking about Dimples. across the Dimples Dimples across the street from the. Did you wall. get involved? I did, not, I did not go to Dimples. Oh come on, uh, Dimples I, is a I fucking nightmare. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really do that much besides I went to the bookstore twice because um, it turned out the day I was getting back, Helen was hosting fifteen of her friends here to have a baking competition. Oh my! Like God. a sort of almost 15. like baking. Baking reality show thing. Like she printed out recipes, set up stations for them. Cute. She divided them into teams as they came in and then they all baked and we had like judged all the stuff at the end. You're kidding. Fun. So anyways, she wanted like, I don't, I don't know, like maybe you're not at this point yet, but at little kids birthday parties now, like all the kids that come leave with a little tiny gift. Yeah. I've seen that. A new thing. It's a fucking nightmare. So I actually just bought a box of these um, blind box vinyl toys called My Home Cat. My oh Home my Cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's like a thing that you don't know what's in there until you open it? No, you, know, you don't know. I mean, it's a cat, but you don't know which cat it is or what it looks like until you open it. Oh, so I just so bought smart. the in- entire box yeah. because there were like 16 and there were like 15 kids or whatever. So Right on. Nice move. So yeah, I brought that back in in my luggage, and um, yeah. Uh, do you do you know that hardware store though? By the way, Soko Hardware. No, I don't know. I don't know this place. As we're, as we're talking about Japantown in San Francisco, that's a, I, I um, that's a must hit. It was it's it's a hundred feet because you stayed on post, um, right near um, what's that fucking restaurant we were texting about? Right across uh, the street from the mall, t- right? Tampopo. Tampopo, yeah. yeah. Yep. I was right. There's a little like strip of restaurants and businesses in between my hotel um, and the, which was a historic Japantown hotel that is now a Kimpton, I guess. It's the Kimpton, um, what's the president's name? Not Garfield, but oh, something like that. You know where you stayed? So you, were you on the same side of the street as the mall? Um, or the or no, the, the other side? I, I was I was a block away from the mall with that restaurant, that strip of restaurants in between us. But on the same side of the street, opposite as the mall? side, opposite, opposite side. Okay, because there's a there's a, a famous on um, the same side of the street as the mall is the Miyako Hotel, uh, the Buchanan, the Kempton Buchanan. That's where you stayed. Yeah. Okay. I don't it was know a nice that hotel. Actually, it's nice. I think it's new. They took. The old historic Buchanan Hotel and redid it, and now they call it the Kimpton Buchanan. All right. So. Well, the um, yeah, that's a little hidden fucking area in there because the, everybody comes out of the mall and and it has that gorgeous like courtyard with the cherry blo- you know the cherry trees and stuff. But across the street is another great little. There's another little courtyard there. Um, yeah. But on the same side of the street as the mall. Two doors up is what used to be the Miyako Hotel, and it's now uh, I don't know if it's a W or what it is, but that is the last um, hotel that the Sex Pistols stayed in. That was their oh, they, wow. they played their last show at the Fillmore, um, mm. and um, that's where I don't know where did, I don't know where the shit went down where Sid Vicious died. I don't know that wasn't in San Francisco. I don't think. 
No, but, I, th- I thought that was in New York, but <laughs> it, yeah, I think it was in New York. I think you're right. Um, but that was I know the Miyako Hotel. That's the last place they, they and they played their last show at the Fillmore, which is which is just a couple blocks from there. Wow. So that's SF cool. man, um, yeah, was it? A, it's a fucking piece up there, was it? Or did you? You were just in. You did. Did you get around town at all? I was in and out. I went to the mission. I went to La Taqueria and had. Uh, three tacos, extra crispy. So With they the take cheese. one. They take one of the uh, one of the corn tortillas and they fry it really quick. Then they, they oil that soft, bitch up. They they wrap a soft one around it and then they do the typical la tac la taqueria taco. So I had a couple different ones. I had a um, uh, I had a chorizo and then I had um, nice move, classy couple couple different pork options so they were all really good um did you but was there was there um um a slice of cheese on that on that first tortilla so tortilla fried right beast the the, the tortilla yeah. gets fried i got beth right here we're talking about yeah. la talk hey, they beth. do the tortilla on the flat top with a slice of cheese right and then the other tortilla did you have a slice of cheese between your two tortillas for your taco i, I don't think so but no. maybe it's hard. Maybe. You black out. I know. You black out with that shit, right? You're just fucking eating that shit. <laughs> Big tacos, man. It's no joke. You can only do... I mean, <laughs> you do three and you hate your life. Two, hang a proper hangover. If you do two, you're all set. That's, you know, that's good. Oh, she's right. Yeah. You go right next door to Dianda, the Italian bakery, which is right next to it. Um, and you get an, a chocolate eclair. They have amazing eclairs. And it's the best. Um, it's also the best uh, uh, goddamn uh, cannoli in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. It's one of those nice. places on in the mission that, I mean, hopefully it's still there. That's enormous. It's huge. And you're like, how the fuck? They've just have been there yeah. for so long. And it's, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of Mexican women run the, the Italian bakery. Right. Um but nice. I'm glad you hit La Talk, man. Fucking, I got to get up there. It's been a, it's been a while. I miss, I miss the spots. But the last time I was there, it's just so fucking disheartening. Yeah, I mean, th- things continue to change there pretty rapidly. But I don't know. A lot of it's is still the same. A lot of it's different. A lot of it's the same. I mean, the skyline is like different every time you're there because they're building massive new buildings in the downtown area. But you know, yeah. It's, um, I also went to uh, Morimoto in Napa, and I got oh, the yeah. um, the tartar. Have you had the tartar at Morimoto? I haven't when been. They bring there. it out. They bring it out in this glass. It kind of looks like if you took a like a chemistry slide that you put under a sure. uh, like a microscope or something, and you yeah br- brought it way up. Um, and it they put the tartar in this glass thing. They give you a little metal shovel. Or a little spoon thing. You you take a little bit of the either the um, yellowtail or the tuna tartare. We got both. Then there's a little tray of condiments and a little sauce. So you put the sauce, you dip in the condiments, and you like eat off this little spoon thing that oh. you have. It's it's crazy cool. Super so wait, innovative. the condiments? Do the condiments go? Do they go? Does the spoon go into the condiments, or the condiments go on top of the tartare? Or what? Uh, you just dip it lightly in these you different. Dip it. There's like. There's like min, sort of mini slides with all the condiments on it. Oh, it's like a that's cool. 
you know, sushi meets like molecular gastronomy, sort of like assembling your Fun. own bite of tartare. Well, then the cool. present the presentation of it is killer. I actually posted a photo of it on my Instagram because I was like, this looks like otherworldly shit. Like you can't even really the tartare is just packed, you know, in this little glass. So cool. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so cool. Leave it to Morimoto to figure something out like that. Who'd you go with? Uh, Nicole's cousins, actually. My wife, Nicole, oh, her yeah. cousins actually live in Napa. I so. forgot you had people up there. That's right. Yeah. So went out with them. So, Santos, what are you watching these days? Oh, dude. Um, so I told you um, I, got, I got Mark H. here in town. Um, he's working and staying with us. He always brings some some very off the beaten path stuff he does he, he does he does but this pick that he brought was so on the path i was like because i had seen it pop up in the in the netflix bullshit like a month or so ago and i was like i don't know about this um but he made he made me watch it last night and i watched three episodes of it is the um the uh, fundamentalist um Latter-day Saints show the three husband three three wives one husband. Do you know this show? No. All right. Uh-uh. It's a Netflix original <laughs> and it's it follows two families that live um they so far they haven't revealed exactly where in the state they are. Um but they're down in southern Utah near Colorado City, which is where um Warren Jeffs was. Right. And this shit is technic- <laughs> technically illegal, obviously. Correct. Yep. Um, Polygamy is not, it's sort of like, you know, it's like pot used to be in some cities. It's like, if you don't wave it in our face, we won't bust you. But so polygamy is, is technically illegal. That's right. In the state of Utah. Yeah. But if, you're, if it's going to be semi tolerated anywhere, that's going to be the place. It, that's exactly right. Yeah. Cause it's all fucking Mormons and you know, plural marriage is a thing for them. Um, and I mean, not for Mormons, like, you know, I, I, there's a, and that was a, a split for that church. Like there was the church of Latter-day Saints, which I think the, in the thirties, the government laid down the law and they were like, you can't be running around with 10 fucking wives. Um, and you have to assume that the reasoning was, um, pedophilia because they're, right. you know, Warren Jeff, he's banging, hit tw- 12 year old girl it's a fucking nightmare it's super predatory and it's terrible so you have to imagine that that's the reason um now the reason this show is damn near secular because it, it there these the, the two dudes it's follows two families the two guys are fucking mutt morons and they try and like bring some religion in but th- there's no like theology is they can't even fucking spell it. So there's no, like there's no, um, I don't know. That's not there. It's just, it feels very safe. Like, you know, all all the wives are of age, like everyone's over, you know, they're 22, 25. Um, it doesn't, you know, you never know. I, I'm just going off of watching three episodes of a series. I have no idea what life is like down there, but it's, it's just fucking it's it's a it's three or four steps above what I expected it to be. It's four episodes long. Um if you're looking for some trash reality TV, you could do a lot worse. And I don't ever watch trash it's, it's reality. It's only TV. four episodes? 
<laughs> I think so, yeah. So you're like three quarters of the way through this then. Yeah, exactly. And like there's – I think they probably realize that they they can't get a lot more legs out of it than that um, because these people are just it, – it's super funny watching it because like these men are ill-equipped to um, have relationships with women. Like they – you see the way that they try and like conduct – a relationship with the, with their wives, and you're like, oh, dude, have you ever fucking been with a woman? That is a that's a fuck. Like he throws like he this one dude. The classic scene for me was like just summarizing all of it is he walks into he's got his house split into three apartments, one for each family, and he walks into one of the uh, apartments and throws a dirty sock at one of the wives, and she's like. She's, you know, 115 months pregnant and has 13 fucking kids running around. And she's like, he's like, he's laughing like a fucking child. And you're just like, oh, my God, dude, you have no fucking idea how to relate with another fucking human. These the houses are they blow holes in the side of this fucking mountain and they build these houses into the mountain it's so Jeez. it's super fucking weird, and and to be honest with you, I feel like now that I'm saying it and talking about it, I feel like it might be fucking garbage again. Mark H had me fucking spun up last night that it was great, um, but <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it and reflecting on it, I think it might be terrible. I don't, it's not terrible, like it's it's um it's good trash in TV, and you can only get so deep because there's four episodes. Um, and it's a, it's a spotlight into a fucking world you never see, but I don't know. I know. I, I feel like I just wasted five minutes talking about something that fucking sucks. So <laughs> let's move on. From oh that. God. So Jesus. All right. I, I'll send it back over the fucking net to you. I mean, that's, yeah. I, uh, I have to say, um, this, this might be, this is a little bit of a unusual pick for me. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, so I was a really big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, you love that. I watched the whole thing. Uh, and there's a new show out called, uh, it's a reboot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch on Netflix called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, and I think for anyone who liked the Buffy show and likes Joss Whedon and likes any of that stuff, like this is the show for you. You'll love it. Um, it's, it's good. It's funny. It's not like quite as dark or quirky. Like it's missing a little bit of that um, that like quirky sensibility that Joss Whedon brings to his shows, but it's, it's very solid. It has um, the actress Kiernan Shipka who played uh, Sally Draper on Mad Men. Oh yeah. So it's like Sally Draper all grown up. She plays Sabrina, the teenage witch. It's got all the kind of supporting actors and people like her aunts and her cousin and all of the people's kind of surrounding all really, really well acted, well done. So for anyone who likes that kind of stuff, I highly recommend it. It's um, solid, start start to finish, interesting to watch. Not for kids. It's dark. It's got some... Oh, nice. It's like definitely <coughs> for, I would say, kids like 16 and above. It's got some like sex stuff in it, some weird like devil culty <laughs> kind of stuff and okay. other stuff like that. So, uh, but other than that, I have to say, man... I've been looking around all the streaming services. I don't know if you have noticed this. It's harder. There was a time when 
on this podcast all the time, we used to talk about there's so much good stuff and like, how do you even decide how to even keep up? There's so much good stuff. I feel like we've hit like a real sort of dearth, a sort of vet trough of sorrow we in have. streaming services. There's just none of the stuff is even like the new series of making a murder. I was like, uh, take, take or leave it. Oh, really? <clears throat> I don't have enough time in to really make an opinion. I'm probably three or four episodes in and have a reasonable. It seems pretty good. Like there's that crazy attorney who's like fucking getting after it, you know? Um, And she seems like she's tearing shit up. But yeah, I'm with you, man. There's like, there's fucking garbage out right now. Um, A whole lot of it. A whole lot of fucking garbage. Um, And, but you know, at the same time, I I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I could be, I could be missing out on stuff. Like, um, there's, ah, fuck. The thing is, is I think that you get tricked with production value because people are still dumping a ton of money into these shows and they look incredible. They look amazing. Um, so for instance, the terror, like that thing is made for me. When that thing came out, it felt like somebody had a, like they were staring at me and they were like, Oh, we made a fucking show for you. Shackleton's yep. my hero of all fucking time. And yep. it's a horror movie based on being like stuck in pack ice in the time of Shackleton. And that show, like it was really good for three episodes. And then it wasn't, it flattens right. off and they like, they couldn't deliver on it, but they have tons of fucking money. And it looks amazing, and it, and it just had their second season came out, and I haven't started it yet. But oh, really? Yeah, a second season of that show—that's surprising. Yeah, fucking a. So what I thought about that was like, <laughs> I I, f- I feel like people need to be first of all, I think in this country we need other models of sort of content production and series. Like, just do that thing as you know, um, like uh, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies, or I mean, they're doing a second season of that, but uh, um, mm, sharp objects, sir. Sharp objects. That's what I was going to say. Sharp objects. Like follow that model of like, and even that was maybe like one episode too long or two episodes too long. Yeah, just make something that's like three or four episodes. And HBO has been good at doing this at times. Just make something that's three or four episodes and get out, and don't do it again. Just move yeah. on to the next thing. And, HBO like, is really good at it. Yeah get those the frequency muscles going yeah you know even even after you if you pull into contract like a certain stable of actors like you get a dozen 15 actors and you're kind of running them through in the same way like a theater company does oh my yeah exactly yeah the the model needs needs um some some fresh blood you know everybody's trying to get the new you know whatever it is um and yeah, you're right, man. It feels like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that our appetites are skewed a bit because we're so used to having amazing, like too much amazing stuff. But, yeah, you know. What do you think about the new uh, series of True Detective? Have you seen the, um, the the trailers for True Detective Season 3? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of looks like a return to form. It does, era. yeah. Um, it looks like, I think, my fear is that they're going to um, – my fear is that, you know, 
since there was such a heavy response to season two, um, that they're going to overcorrect and go straight ahead with it, you know? And I, I personally, I, I like season right. two a lot. Um, I don't, I think you do. I don't remember. Do you like it? Um, I, I wasn't like super crazy about the ending, but I thought that it had points, definitely like high points in it that I thought were as good, if not like bringing something entirely new that the first season didn't bring. Like some of the action scenes and some of the gun battles and stuff like that were amazing. And I thought the having more sort of main characters was interesting, more of like an ensemble cast as opposed to just like the two guys, you know, with... Uh, Russ Cole and what's the yeah, Woody Harrelson Woody character Harrelson, with like yeah. more like supporting cast surrounding them. So I thought the ensemble cast thing was uh, an interesting move. And I know lots of people shit on Vince Vaughn and his performance. Oh, and, fuck them. Um, I thought it was actually pretty good. I thought <laughs> Colin Farrell was amazing. Oh my actually. God. Um, oh, so good. Thought um, I'm uh Taylor Kitsch, is that the that's the dude from Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah. Taylor Kitsch. I thought he was actually really good as well. He's great. Yeah. Um, um Yeah, that I, I liked it a lot. Um and I don't think the thing is is that season one is is damn near perfect. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Season one it, there's no doubt, don't get me wrong, season one is way better. And I f- felt like it fell apart at the end a little bit and you weren't even quite sure it it, it, it gets lost for yeah. sure. Yeah, but yeah, I'll forgive a lot of shit. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I, yeah, my fear is just that they try and overcorrect and they go too straight ahead. Um, but I, the model for that show is great because they, you know, they came out with basically a mission that every season is going to be completely different than the last, and yeah. that's great, right? I mean, that's that's a, and they were the first. I mean, the, that first season was. Fuck, that was five years ago. Has more. Yeah, that's probably right. Yep, something like that. Um, by the way, I've got a uh, I've got a book recommend for you that, and it's not very often that I read a book, and I think Jason Santos would love this book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because you know me, I'm usually reading like weird stuff sci-fi that ha- involves either weird sci-fi or fantasy stuff, which I know that you don't really truck with. Yeah, my with the dragons. I don't. I don't. In the yeah. swords, or I have a hard time. Yep. Um, this book uh, is by a writer called uh, named Patrick DeWitt, and it's um, the movie's either out in theaters right now or it's about to come out. Um, I just happened to see it on a list of like um, crew of people go on the road books. Um, it's called The Sisters Brothers. Have you? Oh well, have you there's heard the of this? well, there's the the, movie. the movie's out right now with Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley. Um, the worst trailer of 2018, by the way. The worst trailer. I haven't even seen the trailer, and I'm glad <laughs> that I didn't because the book is the. Uh, I can see why those guys wanted to grab this up and make it into a movie because the book is really, really great. Oh, cool! It does something, brings something very new to the sort of kind of like western outlaw sort of genre, in a way that like you you haven't really seen since like. Um, you know, Blood Meridian and th- sort of those books, that like vision of the different sort of vision of the West. Does it casualize I mean, it or make it? No. It, oh. <laughs> okay. All right. It's all, it's almost like Western. Like if you took 
a Western, like you took Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and you made it into like a grim noir movie. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, like really bleak, but like in a kind of hilarious way. Like I find myself like laughing out loud at really weird parts of the book. Also, it just reads like super smooth. How long is it? From from start to finish. It's probably, um, I would say, like maybe 250 pages. Okay. Um, not like, it's not incredibly long. It's not so short like The Drop or something where you're going to read it in one sitting. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it is really good. I You're going to love it. Oh, cool. I, well, I lo- I know. you know I love a Western. <laughs> yep. I love a fucking Western. So that's good to hear because there's, um, like I was drawn to the um, the trailer when I saw it because I I love those two guys. Um, and, and I'm I have to say I'm very curious to see who which one of them plays which. I have to assume that there's a one of the brothers is sort of like the sort the kind of like narrator, and I oh. have to imagine that it's the Joaquin Phoenix character. Cause he's like kind of positioned as like the dumpier, like less adequate brother. And I, <laughs> I have a hard time seeing Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> cast as that next to Joaquin Is Phoenix. It Jake, but it's not Jake know. Gyllenhaal though. It's, um, uh, it's John C. Riley, Isn't it? Right. But does, I mean, John C. Right. Cause they're positioned as the Joaquin Phoenix character. They're all three of them are in it. Oh, there's so, Oh, they are. See, I, it, it, it's, the the trailer and hopefully it's a it's an indication that it's a complex film and they just had a hard time cutting a trailer but it's you, the trailer is just like what the fuck is going on here they're not i mean if they're not doing themselves any favors with the uh the the larger american market with that fucking thing i can tell you that much yeah i mean i don't think any of those guys made this to make money <laughs> you know they just I mean? they were into the book <laughs> And they like the script. Yeah. This this is not not the movie you make to like just but, cash yeah, in. Like yeah, to launch your career to the stratosphere or to cash in. Yeah, this is a movie you make because like you just really want to make it. And it, it sounds. I mean, if the book's just out, it sounds like they fucking knocked it out pretty quickly. Um, I don't. I mean, the book might have been out for a while. Oh, I right. I was. Uh, I came across it on this. I saw like a list of. Um, like eight eight great books you probably haven't heard of where like you know a crew of people go on go on the road on some sort of adventure and this was on one of them and I actually have another recommend off that list as well which is really great yeah do um, a um do it quick I'm gonna um shout it out for um for our listeners I gotta go um I gotta grab a drink of water I'm fucking dying here I'll be back in twenty okay. seconds give it give it up all right. Uh, so this this next book is a it's a, a fantasy book. Uh, it's actually a retelling of um, the Beowulf story recast um, with a group of um, young women. It's called the Boneless Mercies, and it's by uh, the author's name is April Genevieve Tucholk. April Genevieve Tucholk, the Boneless Mercies. So uh, in this book, it's really great. It's about this band of women who travel the countryside. They have this job that's called the Boneless Mercies where they go around um, both performing mercy killings and sometimes paid assassinations 
um, sort of as a traveling band, and they're sort of re- regarded as sort of rejects of, from society because of this role that they play. And they all decide basically that they're gonna they're tired of wandering the countryside, doing this like assisted suicide and killing and taking people's lives, and that they're gonna become adventurers. And there's this monster uh, who's terrorizing this northern land. It's sort of like a, re- a recasting of Scandinavia because it's a you know a retelling of Beowulf. So they decide that they're going to be the band of heroes that goes and kills this famous monster. And this book, I kid you not, from start to finish, uh, once again, it's probably about 250, 275 pages maybe. Entirely perfect prose from start to finish. Really amazing characters. Very well told. Um, deftly handled uh, retelling of Beowulf with like much more sort of emotional intelligence and... Um, the flipping of the the sexes, obviously switching to women is really interesting. So I, this is one of the best books I've read probably in the last year, the boneless mercies. I can't recommend it highly enough. Holy shit. That's not the boneless mercies. I just caught the end of it. Um, yeah, it's a retelling of Beowulf. Fucking cool. Um, and I caught Scandinavian noir in there too. So that perks me up. Um, Right. That's fucking cool. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm assuming, a bit more readable than Beowulf. <laughs> yes, it is. I was sh- shocked at how amazingly smooth and just how well the prose flowed in this book. So to say it's like more readable, is an, it's like one of the most readable books I've ever read. It's just like gripping from start to finish. Were there some shout outs for um, poetry nerds like yourself in there? Um, to Back to the Middle English, like... Like you know the the weird thing is because I saw it on this list of like this crew of women who go on this adventure or whatever, so I read it, and it wasn't until the end in the author's afterward where they were like, "So this retelling of Beowulf, and I was like, "Oh wait, what you know um I bet so yeah I, I didn't I didn't know going into it, excuse me, that it was a retelling of Beowulf, and it didn't lessen um it it made me think more highly of it once I realized that. But you know it's it's interesting to to watch you know I, since like graduate school and going to creative writing school I sort of had this interest in like the retelling of stories and recasting of a story in a different environment or different atmosphere um, and this one was really well done and I, I I am someone who isn't like oh like what this woman couldn't come up with her own original story I actually just love someone taking a classic story like that and bringing it into a new context. I think that's really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Um, huh. I, it's, I, 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 I'm, I was about to say I got to check it out, but if it's 300, if 300 pages, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I want to be honest. I read the honest. sisters. Brothers I'll, read, I'll read the sisters. So, brothers. Um, that I'm telling you, you're going to love that one. So good. I'm looking at my notes here and um, trying to decide because I got stuff from last episode, um, the last episode. Um, oh, you know what I got? You know what? Let me break it without a pick here for a minute. Um, I'll tell you something that I did. Did I, did I tell you that I got uh, stem cell um, therapy no. done? Yeah. <laughs> so I got That's some, awesome. <laughs> I you guess. and Mel Gibson. Oh, wait. What, what did he do? He's got fucking stem cells? 
Uh, yeah, he, he he loves it. He goes down to um, Panama and gets it. He and his dad. It like his, his dad, dad was in a his dad was in a real a wheelchair and was like not doing very well. He took his dad down there and got him the full like tip to tail stem cell treatment. And the dude like walks without any assistance now and is like acts like he's sixty eight. Evidently, are you so, fucking kidding me? Yeah, it gave his dad a new lease on life. So Mel Gibson is like singing the stem cell treatment thing from like the highest peak. Like anyone who who will listen, he's talking to about this and how it needs to be um, legalized and popularized in the United States. Um, is he, he's, he's, he hates the Jews. So he's got to be Catholic, right? He's not a Scientologist, uh, is he? No, he's like a Vatican II Catholic. Vatican II. Like, so like a, a, a much more conservative, it was better back when, Sort of Catholic, which got it. Don't even get get me fucking started right now in the Catholic Church. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, I no. fucking had it right. Had it. Oh my god! Those. It is some shit. Anyway, shit. Um. Well, speaking of the Catholic Church, stem cell research. Um. Now, I, I obviously didn't get. I didn't get the good shit. I didn't get the baby, the baby cells. Um. Because they don't do that here. But um, right. I've got um. I got a cartilage problem in my knee and <clears throat> um and I opted for yeah the stem cell treatment and what they do is they um they take bone marrow from your hip so they drill into your hip and they pull out bone marrow and then they spin it pull out the stem cells and shoot it into your knee um so I just had that done and um yeah I feel I'm fucking I feel like a new man I mean I don't have very good light in here, but I feel like it had an effect on everything. Do I, I look younger, right? Yeah. I look fucking amazing, right? A- absolutely. So what you need to do <laughs> is uh, you should seriously look into this Panama thing and you and Beth should go down there. They take dollars. They all speak English. And it's like super nice, evidently. They have like – it's super easy, evidently, as, as an American. I don't even think you need a passport. Um you know, it's like hooked up for Americans. Like you don't need to exchange money. They all speak English. You just go down there, you get these treatments and you come back. I mean, I don't know how much when you go down there. I mean, we might be talking tens of thousands of dollars or right. something here, but I mean, if, it's if it not can cheap. make you 10 years younger and get you out of a wheelchair. Well, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd be interested to see, um, cause there's a guy who's doing it in the Cayman islands as well, which that's the more likely spot. I'm surprised he's not going there. Um, right. Cause the Cayman yeah, Islands are, good. cause I've done, um, I've done some dubious medical work in my life. Not, not for, like I've produced it and like for, yeah. for you my, told me about that. for my job yep. I've done it and, and I did it in the Cayman Islands because they don't give a fuck down there. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, the whole family's going to Grand Cayman over Christmas. So is that right? Yeah. I had um, all the business travel that I've done literally in my whole modern career, like dating all the way back to my Fallon days. I've never used any of my hotel points. <laughs> so I've just saved them up literally for 20, almost 25 years. I saved up <laughs> hotel points. I had enough SPG points to stay our whole family for a week in, um, in the West End on like the nicest beach in Grand Cayman. Oh, I believe so. it. Yeah. And the thing, yeah, you never get like the, you get your points, but the, like you, you get put in whatever hotel 
travel's putting you in. So if you if you added right. up all of your tra- all of your hotel stays, if they were all SPG, you'd be, oh my god, you yeah. wouldn't even have a house. You would just be living it. <laughs> a fucking yeah at an SPG. So yes. Um, let me, uh, sorry, I'm taking a look at my notes here and want to make sure, uh, we're at 45 minutes. Um, and I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Thanksgiving, um, cause that's coming oh, up. Yeah. So I want to hit on that quick so we can do a before and after of, um, Thanksgiving. Um, and I'm looking at my notes here and trying to see what I, um, need to hit on, um, there's uh so last time we talked about um razors i remember asking you about that um because you and i were um playing with the safety razors for a while um and that's yep. and just to, to just to catch everybody up just to get you up to date on that we're we're giving the finger to the safety razor yeah um, 100% and um because it's it's just it's not worth the it's not worth the trouble. It takes, it takes, it, so I would always travel with a regular, like Harry's razor, you know. Um, I'd use that for travel because sometimes the safety razor, TSA doesn't like that. And I was traveling recently and shaved more than I usually do when I travel. And I was like, why the fuck? This is way fucking easier than shaving at home. And that's yep. it. And then I'm, and then it was done. And I use the safety razor for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and I'm fucking right. Out. Yeah, I will say I switched back and forth <laughs> for a while, and um, the latest version, even though they're really expensive, I mean, I don't love the price of it, but the latest version of the Gillette razors with like the like s- smooth, like calming balm or whatever built into the head of the razor and stuff, it's just like they've just gotten to the point where I'm like, you're right. It's just so much easier, so much more convenient. Shaving is a pain in the ass already. So the idea that I'm going to like add 10 minutes to it because I need to be super careful with this razor blade thing. Fuck that I, noise, I'm just right? n- not about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I'm over it. Fuck that shit. All right. So there you go. There's, there's that. Um, so we, I have to um, talk about, and I, I mean, I could bitch for fucking hours, but just to touch on it quickly, um, Filmstruck, the um, you know Warner Brothers is pulling the plug on the greatest streaming service in the history of the internet, and it's going away in um, you know in two weeks. The end of November, it's gone, <coughs> and it's a huge fucking bummer. Warner Brothers, um, you know they own. They own all this shit. They own all the rights to all these movies, um, Turner classic movies. Um, it, it, you know, so Filmstruck for anybody that doesn't know, I've talked about it a, a, a bunch. It's it was a streaming service that um, basically combined the libraries of Turner classic movies and the Criterion Collection. And um, Warner Brothers, as the parent company, is about to launch their own streaming service. And Evidently, the brass is seeing some um, some crossover and some overlapping, and they're like, "Well, fuck it, nobody's watching Filmstruck, you know." And w- this thing's going to be huge, so just pull the plug on it. And there was an initial backlash and um, a change dot org, you know, for whatever that's worth, um, petition that got fifty thousand signatures. 
which is wow. which is not nothing, but you know, still a fart in the wind. And um, the last push was um, three days ago. A letter went in that I, I forget who wrote it, but it was signed by um, Inurito, Leonardo, wow. Di- Leonardo DiCaprio. P.T. Anderson, Guillermo del Toro, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, like all these guys signed it. And, they, and you know, they're like, this is you, – you can't pull the plug on this. It's a, it's a vital piece of, of, of um, you know, of the film world. And there's no other, there's no other outlet for this stuff. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a shame that it's, it's going away. I mean – that thing has been a part of my life since the day it came out, and it's it's gone. So, yeah, that's a bummer. Raise a glass, yeah, it's a fucking drag. Um, if they were smart, they would just find a way to make it a part of the new Warner Brothers <laughs> thing and ca- carry all those people over, even if it was just for six months or something. You know? Y- yeah, you're right. They would. Because um, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are on the subscription. I mean, I know they're not high. It can't be. Um, but. You know, compared to like what Warner Brothers is used to seeing for numbers, they're used to they look at demographics and they basically just assume that they need like, you know, over sixty percent of every fucking American. You know what I mean? Like they they look at like just everybody. Whereas yeah, the, you know the scale on that stuff it, that those big companies shoot for the business execs demand are it, ridiculous. It's unheard. Of. It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. When in fact, when you look at sort of if you can roll up several niche audiences or passion communities, you can have a very, very solid business. Like, oh, yeah, you might not be making hundreds and hundreds of millions, but you could be making 20, 30, 40 million a year. You know, you certainly can. And, and also, like, not for nothing, but, you know, as we well know, um, the return is not in the subscription you know, nobody cares about your $7 a month. What they're doing, you know, it's in the information. It's in the people. In, yeah, in the data. In the, yeah. da- in the data and in, in the quality of that group. And if you have a group like that of super dedicated film fans, like that is a very concentrated, like, you know, strong group that you can market very tightly to. I don't know. Anyway, fucking bummer. Um, yeah. L- let me move to another. I'm going to give you a couple of hot takes here. Um, not necessarily hot takes, but I just want to hear your your thoughts on it. Um, something that I'm, I'm seeing, um, I drive by on my way um, to drop Jack off at school. I drive by three McDonald's, three fucking McDonald's. And here's the best thing. Um, if you're a younger listener and you're questioning whether you should have kids or not, this should tip the scale. My son still, he's five years old and he calls McDonald's because of the the song. He calls it old McDonald's. So whenever he wants to go somewhere, it's like whenever he wants a hamburger, he's like, well, we need to go to old McDonald's and get a hamburger. And it's my fucking favorite. Um, But anyway, McDonald's old McDonald's is now um, they're using fresh beef in their quarter pounders. That's something. Um, yeah. A quarter pounder is fucking delicious, <laughs> but he, that's not what I want to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you right. about the McRib. Um, what's, yeah. what, what? What do you? Oh God, I can see your face. When's the last time you? When's the last <laughs> time you had a McRib? 
You're probably a fucking never. vegetarian with it. You've never had a never. single fucking McRib in your yeah. life. No. Oh, come down why, off the crust. Why? Why in the <laughs> hell would you want like a gelatinous bunch of mystery meat formed into the shape of a rib? Okay, just I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a couple fucking reasons why <laughs> right now because it comes on that super amazing long bun, which is made exclusively for the McRib. I'm pretty sure. So it's the long, I mean, it's the same fucking bun as another one, but it's a different shape. So that's amazing. And then the only thing on it is pickles and onions. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, 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 haven't, I haven't had one in, I can't remember the last time I had one. So if, I'm, if I go back 20 years, I, I still don't think I had one then. But here's the reason I'm... I'm uh, it, it caught my attention is somebody said that it shows up only at election time. Do you know that if that's a huh. thing? No, I did not. I no, I do not know if that's a thing because obviously I haven't been paying that much All attention right. to the McRib. I do think that they, I, I want to say that they've had it on the menu at the rock and roll McDonald's in downtown Chicago, which everyone knows McDonald's is headquartered outside Chicago. And I yeah. think they actually just moved the headquarters into, or at least a part of the headquarters into um, the West Randolph like corridor in Chicago. So just outside of the loop area, um, the rock and roll fifties McDonald's in downtown Chicago has like stuff on the menu, historical things that like you can't get at any other McDonald's. I didn't know that. So I, I want to say that the McRib has been on the menu at that McDonald's like in perpetuity for quite a while. So that bitch is a destination. I guess. I mean, if you're going to go to Chicago and you're going to eat barbecue, like I'm thinking you should go to Smoke, S-M-O-Q-U-E, Smoke Barbecue instead. Yeah. But if you want to go get the McRib, like knock yourself out. Have at it. That's your spot. Um, all right. Enough on the McRib. Um, I've got a problem that um, I need help with. So, I Talk to me. I buy a lot of, um, as you know, I wear a lot of band T-shirts, black T-shirt with, yep. with a band on the front of it. <clears throat> my problem is that the t-shirts are fucking terrible. They, they, yep. they come, they're either, they're like way too wide and it looks like I'm a like box. a yeah. fat chick at spring break, like up above my fucking like midriff. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, or like, so my question is where is, what's the fucking t-shirt? What's the good t-shirt? Where do I find a proper fucking t-shirt? Yeah, that's a good question. So everyone, everyone who makes a T-shirt should just stop using the Gildan or Gildan or whatever T-shirts. Like yeah. they're just bo- boxy pieces of shit that fall apart after being washed two times. You should just not buy any of that shit. Um, the uh, the you know there are people who since the advent of American Apparel are making like really good quality T-shirts that fit well that are soft, you know, you can get them through a lot of the like on-demand t-shirt printing services if you want to pay a premium. So I, most of the bands like um, Rainer Maria, who mm. obviously our good, good friend Kaya, friend of the podcast, Kaya Fisher is in, they use those better quality t-shirts. And, you know, so I wish uh, hopefully more bands will start to not cheap out. And maybe it's like if you're buying it through these third-party services through the internet or whatever, they're just trying to, milk every penny they can out of it. So that's yeah. maybe why they're using. There's a lot of those like Facebook and Instagram ads for like 
80s tees or whatever with like vintage X-Men art or whatever, all those are printed on garbage T-shirts. Yeah. So the thing that I'm really hot for right now is, um, do you, you probably don't know this guy. There's an actor, Joe Manganello. Uh, he was on True Blood, the HBO show, as like a werewolf, and he's been on a couple other things. He was in um, Magic Mike as like one of the dancers. He, this guy is amazing to me because, first of all, he's married to Sofia Vergara, but he's a huge nerd. He's super, super into D&D. Nice. Uh, and, he, and he played D&D when he was a kid. His two passions when he was a kid were D&D and like 80s metal. So he has created... <laughs> A streetwear line that brings those two things together called death saves. So a death save is like in D and D when your character goes like below zero hit points. There's like it's you have to make what's called a death save to see if your character is going to live or not. Um, so you like so roll takes, a die and, and like if yeah, you make you, it, you roll it. There's there's very specific rules and one of the t-shirts has all of the rules printed on the back. <laughs> but yeah, you should you should check this brand out. Death saves. I will. Um, they have really cool like. 80s kind of inspired hand-drawn like metal art but in the theme of like D. I was actually wearing one of these shirts we had this uh, i wore one to a new business meeting <laughs> at zeus jones with this these guys that were running um this like kind of not-for-profit and it turns out that one of them is like a very evangelical christian and i saw him like staring at my shirt and i think he was trying to puzzle out whether or not death saves was like if i was like oh, my soul needed right. to be saves, saved or if I was saves. like also an evangelical Christian, like death saves, Jesus died for us, you know, for our sins. He saved us all, you know? Gotcha. It, yeah. But on the back, on the back, it has this picture of a death knight sitting on a throne of skulls with a massive sword. And it says, um, born in hell, uh, born in hell, like, you know, full of terror or something like <laughs> something insane like that. So there's once you see the back of the shirt, there's no doubt that it has nothing to do with Christianity, but yeah. Um, born in hell or you're like raised in hell, born for terror. I think that's, that's what it says. Well, it's anyways, like, it sounds like the right shirt to wear to a nonprofit yeah. new business meeting. So anyways, my, my point is, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> my point is, um, that this, uh, Death Saves uses good quality T-shirts. Well, let me check so. it out because all of the shirts that I'm buying are like, <laughs> you know, like shitty fucking Garage Band. Like they're not making merch. You know, what I mean, nobody's the, the Rocky right. Erickson is not the, the Rocky Erickson estate is not fucking making new Rocky Erickson right. T-shirts. No, they've licensed it out to some exactly. third party, and yeah, they're was, putting it on shitty T-shirts. Um, Hey, before I forget to mention, I meant to mention this at the top of the podcast and I forgot. I was on another local podcast here called the Minneapolis Hustle. Mm. Uh, It's a podcast started by my friend Doug, Doug Nimela, or Nimela, sorry, Doug Nimela. Um, And it is about what makes Minneapolis special and sort of interesting people that are doing interesting things within Minneapolis culture. Nice. And what is it about this place that separates it from, no offense to, there was like a famous quote from, I think, Grover Cleveland, who said, if it wasn't for something, Minneapolis would just be a colder Omaha. (laughs) And so the whole premise of this podcast is like investigating why isn't Minneapolis just like a a cold Omaha. Yeah. Um, Well, that's cool. And it's 
It's been really interesting so far. He had the James Norton from the Heavy Table was the guest right after me. But sure. So if you go to the Minneapolis Hustle, you can listen. I sort of tell my whole story of um, how I ended up in Minneapolis and my career here, and how we ended up starting Zeus Jones. So for anyone who's interested in that, uh, it's a it's a good interview. I think I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, check it out, the Minneapolis Hustle. Oh, check it out my for sure. It's obviously uh, Eric Frost. It says something about. Uh, Mad Men and first first dates at First Avenue because uh, that was Fun. supposed to be my first date with my wife Nicole was uh, a Shins concert at First Avenue. So Shins, yeah, Jesus, yep, how the Shins. It feels like yeah, actually that is about right. <laughs> yep, but two thousand six? No, 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 not that late. Two thousand three. I was gonna, yeah, a little before that. Yeah, I'm so old that I think the Shins are fucking kind of new. That's how old I am. Right. Yeah. Um, hey, what are you doing? Oh, brother. I got a child here. Look okay. at you. No, no, no. I don't have to go anywhere. He's fine. He has, he's got a mother. That's, that's taking <laughs> care of him. Um, let's talk about... Um, I'm trying to see what else I got on my list here. Um, just quick. Not, not much to talk about, but just to put it out there so people know. Um, there is a new um, just announced... Two days ago, um, new remaster of um, four seminal Brian Eno records. Um, oh wow! His ambient record. He's so um, he didn't put these records out sequentially, but he's known for um, these. His ambient work, the heart of it lies within these records. It's there's. Um, Started, they started in like 70. The first one was in like 73 and ended in like 78. There's discrete music, music for music for films, music for, music airports, for airports, music yeah. for airports, and um, on land. Apollo, oh, yeah, Apollo is one of his best ones. Apollo might be his best record, and I yeah. do not know why it's not. I don't know why it's not here. Um, because it, it, it firmly is in the camp of ambient and um isn't it apollo is an ambient record oh, absolutely absolutely now wh- it feels like quite a leap forward i mean don't get me wrong i love music for airports and music for films um on land is fine as well but apollo feels like a serious leap forward for him um so I I have all of those on vinyl, actually, all the ones you're talking about. We chased those down a long time ago in the 90s. Me too. Um, yeah. Me too, and I paid so. a fortune for them, and now I'm paying a fortune again because um, they've been remastered at Abbey Road at half speed, so everything is on super thick vinyl, 45 RPM. Um, it's the, the treatment that they should have had fucking wow. ages ago. Um, y- yeah, you know what? I'm looking at this now. God damn it! Why don't? Why didn't they do Apollo? That makes no fucking sense. Because it's that's Apollo is the record with Daniel Lanois. Yes, um, that might be why they didn't do it. Oh, I wonder if there's like different rights or something. Fucker, Apollo. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I I've met Daniel Lanois and had a conversation with him. We were talking to him about using him on a BMW project when I was at Fallon. Oh, cool. He was a really nice guy, actually. Really. I think, I, so I have a hard time imagining that he was going to be a jerk about that, um, but you never know. You who never. Oh, that shit. You never. Bad blood know. between Eno and Lanois. Who knows? I doubt it, but you never fucking know because he's not the only. 
power of the beat, you know, at play. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, um, for, you know, I snatched it up immediately. Um, so just throwing it out there. <laughs> Check it out. Um, so let's, we're just over an hour. I wonder if we should, I got a few other. Um, so let's do like a. Let's rattle off three three more things real quick since it's been a while for people. All right, let's um, do let's I want, do it. I want to call out um, the the new season of Ear Hustle. The podcast Ooh, is out. Yeah, I haven't been listening to that. It's great. It's really great. The really latest good. episode um, uh, is really really amazing. It's about um, what happens when people come from outside of the prison, like volunteers or different people, and they fall in love with prisoners. So they just continue to find like new, really interesting angles to talk about life at San Quentin and what it's like really on the inside. Really amazing. The latest episode of uh, the latest season, I should say, of Serial just wrapped up. And I know for many people, they're probably like rolling their eyes as I say this because the second season of Serial uh, was not great. This third season is a return to form and possibly better than ever. Whoa! So they go to they go to Cleveland. And they did a year uh, embedded in the Cleveland court system. And it's basically, it is about, they pick Cleveland just by happenstance, but it's basically about what is fundamentally broken with the court system in the United States. It is amazing. Really? Really, really eye-opening. Um, oh, fucking Really, a. really well done. So the, the third season of Serial, everyone should go listen to that. Good fucking call, man. I, I'll I'll do that for sure because, yeah, like most people, I was a little disappointed in the second season, um, but <laughs> but it was obvious that it was just a stumble. I mean that that there's it's such yeah such quality people behind that. I mean, for sure. Um. All right. What do I, I'll do a couple quick ones here. Um. I, I could talk again. I, I I wanted to talk about this at length. Um. And I don't know if you've seen it, but have you have you seen um. The um, the Netflix original "Hold the Dark," the Jeremy yes. Saulnier. What'd you think? Jesus, <laughs> did you hate it? I didn't hate it. No, I just thought it was incredibly weird. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in a bad way. Like it's it is a very intense film. It's not quite like anything you have seen before. In in a good way, mostly. Um, I thought the ending of it was like just kind of the just kind of weird, but um, I mean, I'm a fan of his other films. Like, I really love um, Blue Ruin. So good, uh, Blue Ruin. And, yeah, Green amazing. Room. Yep. Um, it was panned. I, hold, I, hold the dark got panned. People did not fucking. Oh, like really? It. Yeah. I actually uh, also really like. Um, uh, Alexander Sarsgaard. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Speaking he, of true blood, right? Yep. Speaking of true blood. I actually thought the, the scenes with Alexander Sarsgaard, the setup of his character, like overseas in Afghanistan were like some of the best parts of the film. Okay. He, he was accused. So Solnia, um, was accused of going there just because he had the budget. People, I, I read two reviews where people were like, that was completely like unnecessary to have those war scenes involved or even there. And they were like, it was just him flexing budget muscle, which <clears throat> I think is, I think bullshit. If, if he hadn't done that stuff to establish 
the um, the distance the between. For? Well, if he hadn't done that stuff to establish that character, I don't think anything that came after that, after that character got back, would have been believable. Right, because it's so extreme. It's so extreme. So I think you have to see the his transition from one extreme environment to another to in, understand how it makes sense. Otherwise, if he just comes back finds out the stuff about his wife and his kid and like all of his reactions after that would have felt hyperbolic. Right. Instead it sort of establishes this character in a way where you're like, not only is this guy capable of the things that I'm about to see capable, meaning mentally and skill wise, like capable of the things that I'm about to see all of that stuff in Afghanistan or Iraq or whichever one it's set in. Uh, was totally necessary to settle that up. Also, what about that, the gun battle scene? I have to say. Dude, that is some peck and wor- paw, like. Yeah, worth the entire film. It's like. It's so good. Mike, Michael Mann-esque, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's so fucking good. And people are, you know, and I don't, I don't know why I'm getting so hot at, like, reviews, but. They're calling it egregious, and it's a it's like a deliberate set piece that is doing something like that is intentional. Like it's supposed to be like that, and it's it's remarkable. It, and nobody does anything like that. And I yeah. think the whole film, it, like it, it just does a lot of things that people are not expecting, and um, it gets blamed for like raising more questions than answers and for like, you know, and for like a so pro- what exactly. And like, yeah. you know, and I've even seen some reviews that, you know, where they're appropriating culture. Um, but frankly, you know, I think he builds, if you've seen any of his other films, like he's less concerned with narrative as he is with building mood. And he builds this world that is, on the edge of the world and, you know, literally it's in the middle, you know, of nowhere. It's in Alaska buried and strange things happen on the edge of the world and there aren't always answers and it's not always clean. And just because he's serving it up, he doesn't, he's, he doesn't owe you a fucking explanation. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know why I'm defending it. Like I worked on it, but I I think I thought it was (laughs) fucking genius. I I love that movie. It's as good as any of his other films. Yeah, I have to say, I, I mean, I wasn't like running out and telling everyone. First of all, because this is not a film that obviously that everyone is going to like. No, um, I wasn't no. like running out telling everyone. I did tell some people like, oh, I just saw this film. It was crazy. This like one of the most intense films I've ever seen. Hold the dark, and I happened to be actually shooting content that day, and the director on it was like, "Oh my god, I've been waiting for that to come out. I'm going to go to the hotel room and watch it tonight." So obviously, there are a lot of people that are very excited about it. What I don't like is when people, especially critics, tear people down who are doing new things and actually taking risks in their filmmaking or their writing or their art. I feel like people need to be um, not like necessarily just hollow praise heaped on them just for taking risks or doing something different. But this is obviously a guy who understands craft and knows what he's doing and is taking calculated risks or adding something new to like the modern film dialogue. And I feel like that's someone that you need to, 
give some credit to for the effort. I couldn't agree more. You have to support voices like that. I mean, how many more, like, you know, we're, we're lucky that there's people that can walk the line, you know, that are able to remain commercially, commercially viable and, and successful, you know, like a Guillermo del Toro or yep. someone like that, you know, um, or Steve McQueen. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like, and who knows? I, I mean, Steve McQueen is, he's a, he's a beast of another, of, he's, I don't even know what to do with that guy. Like he's um, an animal. I've yet to I've yet to see uh, to shift uh, movies. I've I've yet to see Widows, um, his newest. Yeah, I was thinking about going to see that tomorrow. Um, it depends on kind of how my evening unfolds here, but I actually really want to go see that. Go see, um, go get a goddamn go get a, a fucking matinee for yourself, man. Well, my whole family's going out of town tomorrow, so I've got the the solo cholo weekend ahead. Oh, so yes, I'm gonna drown myself in video games and f- take out food and right on movies and films. So yeah, just like you're 22 again. Hell yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are you gonna play for video games? Um, I've all of my time has been spent on. Um, Magic the Gathering just released this online version called Arena, and that's all I've been playing with all my time. <laughs> really? So much of my time is going into uh, Magic the Gathering Arena right now. Huh. Yeah, they, um, it was sort of like a weird circumstance where Magic obviously like created the sort of um, collectible card game thing in the early 90s. Um, Blizzard, the video game maker, made an online version called Hearthstone that basically just ripped off Magic and like created a, a the best online version of it. This is their answer to Hearthstone, so they've leapfrogged Hearthstone oh. now with their own offering. And so many people who are into Magic, which I am, I play the card version, like the paper version, where you play with real human beings in person, not just on a computer. Um, uh, have been waiting for something like this to come out for the last 10 years. And it's finally out. Oh, and so people awesome. are going crazy. So, yeah, people are really into it. So, yeah. That's cool. So I've been pl- playing that a lot. Um, uh, there's an, like a, a Pathfinder, which is like a and d basically game that came out. I've been playing that a little bit as well. And then I really actually want to get into Red Dead, speaking of Westerns, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, me too. Um, I just came out and out. people are, just are going crazy for that and raving about it. So I really want to um, play Red Dead Redemption 2. Me well, too. So. I got to check that out. Um, I've played recently, I played Detroit. Um, do you know this one, Detroit? It's kind of like a um, – I, I don't have video game vernacular, but it's a uh, kind of choose-your-own-adventure. Um, it's an AI-based um, thing where um, you you play like three different robots, you know, droids. Um, super cool. That was fun. I haven't huh. played video games in years, uh, like, like fucking years. Have you seen – um, Anna Perna has been putting out a bunch of really amazing, like interactive storytelling games. What? So really? go to, yeah. Oh my God. There's some, uh, hold on a second. Let me, let me pull, pull one up here. There's a game, a graphic novel game. It's about this, uh, it's called Florence. Florence. Uh, It'll take you about t- half an hour, maybe twenty minutes to go through it. It's an interactive storytelling game about this girl and her first relationship, uh, like her first kind of falling in love and 
the sort of arc of her relationship. And it is really incredible. I can't recommend it highly enough. That Florence. sounds amazing. That's right up my alley. Because um, I can't fucking kill any. Like, I'm not going to kill anything. Right. I got no fucking. No. And this is like, you, you play it on an iPad or whatever. So right. it's an iOS game. So. All right. Um, but yeah, all, all the Annapurna stuff that they're putting out. Because, you know, Annapurna was a movie studio, but they've uh, swallowed up like a game studio now. And right. they're putting out like really amazing um, storytelling, interactive storytelling and like, the ios game sort of format so yeah check out florence you'll love it you'll be floored jack will probably want to play there's nothing inappropriate in it necessarily for him i mean it deals with some kind of like adult like relationship stuff but he won't catch any of that stuff right on um all right well i feel i feel like that might be the first time we fucking talk about video games um <laughs> um could could be yeah all right. Well, yeah, we should wrap it up. We should. Um, do we, I want to just real quick, real quick. Tell okay. me what the the plan is for um. What's what's the Thanksgiving plan? You know, I'm going down to. Uh, oh yeah, that's my right. You go. House. That's We're, right. That's right. They stovetop. Uh, You're a stove. That's stovetop. Um, no, we do a smoke one smoked and one deep fried turkey every year. Okay. And then, as far as you mean stovetop stuffing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom loves the stovetop. Yeah, you do. She, stu- has, she has very particular ideas of like she likes the things that things that she likes. It's stovetop stuffing. It's mashed potatoes from Costco. Yeah. Um, you know, pump, pumpkin and apple pie. Yeah. Um, green bean casserole or whatever. You know, it's With like the mushroom the same soup yeah. every year. And then we uh, we bring down from the co-op. We bring gluten free stuffing. Um, mashed potatoes without dairy and stuff. Oh, like so that. you just roll just with your own of, shit and just we fuck. just roll with our own stuff. <laughs> yeah, and sort yeah. Of augment. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Right. I have to say, I made a like inc- pretty incredible gluten free, <coughs> dairy free app- apple crisp for Zeus Giving that happened. Zeus Giving was today, so oh, it's today. Yeah, <clears throat> nice. So Zeus, love giving Zeus Giving for yeah <laughs> for anyone who doesn't work at my company, Zeus Jones, and where Jason and I first met working there together. We do a employee thing where we bring in the turkeys. Um, we brought in four turkeys this year and everything else is a potluck and people bring amazing stuff. Like their grandmother from the South, like banana pudding recipe and it's all sorts killer. Of just it's super like, fun. It's amazing. It's like everyone basically readily admits it's way better than the Thanksgiving with their family food wise. It's super fun. Yeah. I missed that. I missed that. Um, and apologies to everyone at Zeus um, for me not being there anymore because you're robbed of <laughs> me not bringing in fucking amazing shit for you to eat. Um, That's right. Uh, so I've got um, pretty small this year. I've got, I think, five people coming plus us three. So eight. I'm going to do um, – I'm not even doing – I'm not doing a full turkey this year. I'm not even doing a turkey. I'm going to do three, wow. three breasts. Three turkey breastuses. I'm going to do um, – and I did this last year. I mean, I did a turkey, but then I had some side side breasts just for fucking, you know, because you need those. Yeah. Um, and oh, plus, yeah. you know, I mean, I do chickens all the time. and But the car – nobody fucks with – you carve it up, and nobody fucks with anything but the breast. Like, that's all anybody wants. So I'm just bringing the goods. Not me. I'm me neither. The, dark meat the thigh. I'm the dark thigh. Meat. Me too, man. I'm the yeah. thigh. 
But nope, you know, I don't give a shit. So I'll eat whatever. I don't fucking care. So yeah. I'm going to do three breasts. Um, I'll do, I, I, um, I butterfly those bad Larry's. Nice. I'll stuff them with, um, I'll do one with mushrooms. I'll do one with, you know, herb butter. And then I'll do another one with, um, I, I weave, I did this last year. I weave bacon over the whole thing, wrap nice. it in, and and bake that bitch. Um, that sounds really good. I can't fucking. You know, mind. I I actually splurged. I have the um, the turkey hanger, like the special thing that goes through the turkey that you hang across two of the hooks on the pit barrel. Oh so yeah, I actually have the the full turkey apparatus for the pit barrel. Huh. And are you going to do man, it? That if we were here, I would do it. Generally, what we do is I go down to my mom's, and like a week later after Thanksgiving, we do it with. Uh, my wife's side of the family, and then I generally will smoke a turkey in the pit barrel. But this year, um, no one can do it, so I'll probably do it at Christmas. Honestly. How how is how do, is that turkey? If I don't do a prime rib, so oh my god, the turkey in the pit barrel. My mother in law, who's obviously been making, she's like sixty six. Okay, is what I found. Oh, shut up, Siri. Uh, she's sixty six. She's been making. Making and obviously eating turkeys, but like made made a lot of turkeys in her life. Said when I did in the pit barrel, that it was the best turkey she's Get ever had. Get the fuck! This is a, a, a conversation for another time. You know that my <laughs> my relationship with the pit barrel is fuck is stressed. Um, but you know what? This is this gives me a good excuse to actually do a turkey. I'm going to do my breasts, and then I'm I'm just going to do a fucking side turkey in in the in the pit. Everything is a side, I guess. Side yeah. breast, side turkey. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a turkey. How how big do you do you do in there? How big of a turkey? I, I did like a 15 pound in there. All right, I'm, I'm gonna do a 15 pound turkey in in the pit barrel. Um, I'll have you text it's me so any like too. if so you have easy. anything that's like different that you do. I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna repeat your fucking shit directly <laughs> because that thing. I'm, I'm telling you, it can't make ribs. It, it can't make ribs. Um, I, I, uh, when Kai was here, I made some ribs and they turned out pretty great. Yeah. But they're not Peter Petrullo fucking great. Are they? No, no. I mean, but what, what most like amazing barbecue joints aren't as good as Peter's ribs. So speaking of which I'm about to have the man himself show me on that smoky mountain. I'm going to do some ribs in there on Saturday morning for an all day gaming session at the office. So really, I'm about to fire up three racks of ribs in there and get, Get a lesson from the master himself. Oh, so we'll, right I'll, I'll keep you posted on how that turns out. Please do. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks, as always, to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. And thank you to all our loyal fans who are tuning into this episode after the long hiatus. We really appreciate it. And we will – I know I've said this in the past, but um, you know, life gets in the way. We've had – deaths in the family and other stuff happening. Um, but we are committed to doing this and we are going to try to do it more often. So For sure. All right. I will catch you next time, Santos. Thanks All right, brother. Good to talk to you. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. See you next time. Bye-bye.